If you ask me, nothing stinks more than when your husband Dutch ovens you with a big, ripe, juicy one and then holds your head down under the covers. Except maybe body odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi whole body deodorant. Lumi delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control everywhere from your pits to your feet and yes, even those private parts. As a special offer, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code and link. Use code BUNNY, B-U-N-N-I-E, at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. You guys know I absolutely love Lumi. I rock it everywhere I go. I work long hours. So if I'm doing like a podcast run or if I'm out at one of my husband's shows or just overall anxiety ridden and I'm sweating, Lumi has saved me so many times, especially a toasted coconut. I feel like it masks my odor a little bit more and especially that right armpit that always smells like beef stroganoff. If you know, you know. Once again, as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code BUNNY, B-U-N-N-I-E, for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code BUNNY, B-U-N-N-I-E, at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Don't forget to sub to Patreon so that you can see the visuals because not only do we have episodes of the podcast, we have exclusive content that nobody else sees on any other apps, behind the scenes, photo shoots, and we're dropping a whole bunch of surprising stuff this year. So if you guys don't want to miss out and you want to be the first to know, go over to our Patreon, www.dumblondunrated.com. Love ya. Is this thing on? Bonnie, who used to be a former sex worker and now hosts the podcast Dumb Blonde. Most little girls grow up wanting to be doctors and lawyers and shit. And I was like, I want to be super hot, make a lot of fucking money and be a rock star's wife. That was my goal as a child. And (laughs) here we are. (laughs) What's up, babies? Welcome back to another episode of Dumb Blonde. Today we have America's holistic plastic surgeon in the house, Dr. Anthony Yoon. What's up, baby? How are you? Thank you so much for having me on the show. This will be a lot of fun. Dude, I am I so appreciate stoked. It. I'm so stoked to have you. My husband is <laughs> even more stoked that you're oh, here. Oh, that's awesome. I had no idea that he was such a huge fan of yours. I didn't. I, you, you just told me this. I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked and I'm, uh, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I saw his, when he gave his, uh, uh, his uh, speech, his talk at the CMAs, and mm-hmm. like it's great. I mean, I'm a fan myself. It's crazy because he's like that at home. <laughs> and I'll be like, who are you preaching to? <laughs> I'm like, it's just me and the kid here. Like, you don't have an audience. Tone it down, Bubba. You know? So he's that's literally what you see is what you get with him. 
Um, so you are kind of like doing a podcast tour right now because yeah. you, are my my sweet sir, are a um, author. Yes. Yes, and you've written four books. Yes. So Go this ahead. is my fourth. This is an anti-aging book called Younger for Life that I'm super proud of, and I really appreciate that you're having me on today. Absolutely. I'm so excited to dive into what this is and stuff like that. You have three other books. Um, one of them is called The Age Fix, In Stitches, and Playing God. Yes. So I actually wrote two memoirs about okay. becoming a doctor and then becoming a plastic surgeon and kind of the craziness <laughs> that happens that ensues. And then I've written two anti-aging books, The Age Fix, and then this is my latest one. I mean, yeah. I need all the anti-aging tips that you can give me. You look like you're 12 years old. What I are you love, talking listen, about? Listen, do you want to make out? Because we can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, I definitely want to talk about um, your, you know, whenever you went to medical school, because um, one of those stories actually resonated with me, and we'll talk about that in a, mm -hmm. um, a little bit. But let's talk about how you were influenced by your father to become a doctor and take me on that journey and stuff like that as a child. Yeah, so I basically grew up in a traditional Korean household. My parents immigrated here from Korea when uh, before I was born. Uh, and so the day literally that I was born, my dad decided I was going to be a doctor. But it's not that I was going to be any doctor. Like, that wasn't enough. Like, I was going to be either a neurosurgeon, a cardiac surgeon, you know, a transplant surgeon, one of these, like, high-powered yeah. surgical specialties. And um, pretty quickly as I was in medical school, I realized that this was not my personality. Uh, the day that I saw a 60-year-old man stumble out of a call room in the middle of the night to attend to a trauma, I was like, I don't want to be that guy. Mm. Uh, and then even throughout all my training, I did three years of general surgery training where I trained as a general surgeon and you're working the ICUs, you're working in trauma bays. I was just honestly deathly afraid that one of my patients would die and it would be my fault. Aww. And so it was always, it always stressed me out. And luckily I went through all my training and nobody did. Right. You know, I mean, people <laughs> died, but it wasn't because right. I didn't do something. Right. Um, and so I realized very quickly that that just wasn't for me. And so I ended up finding the field of plastic surgery, which really talked to me a lot. Um, the interesting thing is I initially thought I was going to do family practice for a while. So I'm like, I don't want to be with this type of surgeon. Maybe I'll do family practice and work with right. uh, families and stuff. And my dad was not approving of that at all. Your dad was an OBGYN, correct? Yes. So that's kind of why he, and he was, you know, the traditional, you know, just this is how you're going to do it. And I'm planning your life. How did that make you feel as a child? Did you feel like you just didn't have a choice? So, yeah, but I was like the middle child. So mm -hmm. I was the dutiful middle child. You, you tell me to do something and I'll do it. Um, but, you know, for him, he grew up on a rice farm in Korea with six other siblings. Mm -hmm. And he became a doctor. They put all their resources into him and then he literally uh, lifted his whole family up out of poverty and he brought uh, half of them here to the United States where they kind of now are living the American dream uh, and so for him all he knew was that doctor equals success right and so he didn't want his kids to be living on the streets but then his belief was either you live on the streets or you're a doctor and there's nothing in the in between <laughs> like he didn't know he's like look it works for me it'll work for yeah me, bud. yeah yeah <laughs> so then I thought maybe I'll maybe I'll do family practice and I told him and he was really unhappy with that uh, and one night as I was uh, visiting my, my parents after I told them I was going to do and he was really unhappy. It, and he was just unhappy because he didn't feel like you were like being an overachiever or he felt it, like you were kind of slacking off. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't enough. Practice? Okay, it wasn't gotcha. enough. It wasn't enough to be proud of him, you know, my son. Like, you know, we always yeah. want in our children 
more than what we have right you know and for him he looked at that was less than what he had mm. that's gotta um, be a heavy kind of a heavy cross to bear for you because you're like damn dad i just want to do what i want to do i mean i think that is yeah um, but you know what happened is is I, i'm at home i'm visiting for a night and i'm in my twin bed that i grew up in you know when i was a kid <laughs> yeah. and two in the morning the door opens up and my dad tells me move over so here I go, I scoot over, and the two of us, two adult males, are lying in my twin bed looking at the ceiling, and he goes, Tony, if you want to be a family practice doctor, you can. Aww. He goes, you will never pay off your loans. You're going to be poor for the rest of your life. You're going to be seeing 50 patients a day, but if you want to do that, then that <laughs> is fine. And, and then shortly thereafter, after you he gave me it, my blessing, his blessing, <laughs> I ended up finding the field of plastic surgery and absolutely loved it. Well, plastic surgery holds a spot dear to your heart, too, because as you say in one of your books, you talk about how you were um, you had a feature that yeah. you were, you know, I don't want to say embarrassed by, but just didn't like about yourself. Can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, quote unquote, normal looking until probably about the 10th grade. I went through a growth spurt and my jaw started growing basically twice as quickly as the rest of my face and the rest of my body mm. to the point where I, when I was a senior in high school, my jaw was huge to the point where I could actually stick my tongue through the gap between my upper and my lower teeth. Wow. And um, I hated looking at pictures of myself from the side. Um, and even if like with my senior photos from high school, you could see that it just doesn't look quite right. right. So I ended up having plastic surgery. I actually had my jaw broken and set back mm. between high school and college. And it really taught me the power of how changing your appearance can absolutely change the, the tra trajectory of your life. Right. Because prior to that, I had very low self-esteem. You know, I had self-image problems mm. um, and I thought I looked deformed. And then afterwards, it really did help me. Now, you know, I go to college and here I think that I'm going to, you know, well, I actually look actually pretty decent now, like a regular person. And I thought, okay, the girls are going to like me now. Aww. And I couldn't find a date through all four years of uh, college. Uh, so. I, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> no, and four guy. years. Yeah, oh, I don't know what happened, but uh, uh, <laughs> so maybe you were just too shy to like I'm seal not sure. the deal. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So, but that really did teach me how changing your appearance can really help to change your life uh, in ways that you know. I mean, I, d I do all cosmetic surgery. Um, I have a complete skincare center and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time. You know, knowing that, I think personally, that does make a big difference. Absolutely. You had also said in one of your books that um, you had been, you were, you had some dark chapters um, dealing with certain physicians that were kind of self-absorbed and money hungry. Can you take me on that journey too? Yeah, I so, think you yeah. just called it like a God complex or something. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, as a plastic surgeon, so I ended up doing uh, three years of general surgery, mm -hmm. and then I did two years of plastic surgery, and then I spent a year out in Beverly Hills uh, where, where I worked with a top-name plastic surgeon. And I tell you, plastic surgery in Beverly Hills was a big eye-opener because I did most of my training out in Michigan, at, at Michigan State, right. uh, with plastic surgeons that I felt were ethical. They were there to treat, you know, take care of patients and stuff. Yeah, I mean, these are kind of... Um, Midwest, down-to-earth uh, doctors who are there to take care of people. Then you go to Beverly Hills, and my gosh, yeah. it was N nobody crazy. Nobody has a soul. Yeah. And it was all about money mm. out there. I mean, it was a point. I remember there was a situation once where I was working with a plastic surgeon, and, and we were working on a woman, uh, African-American, larger woman. We were doing liposuction on her, and um, she was HIV positive. Mm. And we were doing the surgery on her, and all of a sudden he says, yep, that's it, we're done. And I go, well, 
we haven't finished the operation. Like there's still these other areas that we can make better. He goes, you know what? She has, she has HIV. She paid enough money. Like we don't have to do it anymore. Oh, and I was just like, gosh. what? And I mean, I'm, I'm the fellow, so I, it's not my patient. I can't tell him, you know, right. we need to do this, but you know, things like that, you see these things happen over and over again. Uh, out there, I knew a doctor who would actually call the local news, lie to them about uh, a death, let's say, that happened in the OR of a competing surgeon. And so I was there once where a doctor called and said, hey, yeah, is this, you know, is this a, uh, ABC News? He's like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not going to tell you who I am. I'm a local plastic surgeon, but I need to let you know that Dr. So-and-so had a patient die in his operating room yesterday. You know, you need to look into that. And it was so not true. Oh, my god. I mean, people, there are even stories of people sending patients to other plastic surgeons as a way to eventually sue them. So wow. that the patient gets surgery and then eventually sues them just to try to push these people out of practice. It's you guys crazy. need your own reality show. It's like the, uh, how, the house husbands of Beverly Hills. That's crazy. Yeah, That's so, so unethical and just wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's the stuff that happens out there was nuts. And so I really, after being there for a year, I ended up coming back to Detroit, where my wife's family is from, and I started my own practice uh, there. And, and you're like, did it the I'm way not working for anybody to. ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's like I want to start. I want to do this the right way, where I'm actually I'm here to take care of people. I've taken ER call for accidents and dog bites and stuff for 20 years. And yeah, there was a story that I read that you had said um, there was a, a lady that you had worked for, and she said that there are the chronically ill um, in the in the emergency room. She had said something to you that kind of like offended you about the people. <laughs> who would come in the emergency room they're chronically ill and they just kind of they don't stay they don't get better and they don't die or something like that I mean there are so many you know I think working the ER and it's it's hard because there are people who are I mean the, the healthcare system is so broken yes and it's so hard because in the emergency room now is a place where a lot of people will go for everything yes and they are completely overrun you know the emergency room at the hospital i work out of uh, i had a patient who was there uh, recently she actually was a, a patient of a different doctor who was admitted to the hospital with an infection they asked me to take care of her and i said sure that's fine and she was there for three days and never actually got a hospital bed like a room wow. she was in the hallway for three days oh my goodness because there just weren't any rooms available because so many people are using the er unfortunately for things that aren't necessary mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of stuff going on in healthcare right now that it, the whole system is broken and I'm, I'm not sure how to fix it yeah um, but throughout my training that was something that you really saw a lot of absolutely i um I myself have gotten into holistic medicine in the past, probably I'd have to say four to five years. Yeah. And I love the fact that with holistic medicine, it treats the problem and it doesn't put a Band-Aid on it. Like it tries to get to a deeper root of it. The root cause. Being a holistic plastic surgeon, what does that entail exactly? So basically the story is, is that I, you know, so I go to LA, I come back to Michigan, I start my practice and, you know, we're taught in surgery, the term to cut is to cure, or the only way to heal is with cold steel. And the idea is wow. that your goal is to bring people to the operating room. Now, if you're a general surgeon, the goal, ideally that the big surgery that you want to do is, is called the Whipple. And this is a large 10 hour cancer operation. And if you're so lucky that you can do a Whipple, you know you've reached the pinnacle of success. Wow. In plastic surgery, it's probably the facelift uh, because patients may trust almost anybody to do their liposuction, but you know if they're trusting you to do their facelift mm. uh, that you are you know, the cream of the crop. Right. And so for many years, Bunny, I actually 
uh, gauge the success of my practice based off how many facelifts I was doing, how many I had on my mm -hmm. schedule. It's yeah. kind of dumb, but that was how oh, I gauged but, it. Yeah. And I got to a point where I was the busiest person in town. I had a one-year waiting list of people flying in all over the country to see me. And then I had a patient of mine who absolutely completely changed the trajectory of my career. Mm. Uh, this was a 60-some-year-old woman uh, who came to see me for a facelift. And she looked like she was a good candidate for it. Uh, her internal medicine doctor cleared her for surgery. Uh, and then she uh, was even cleared by a cardiologist. So I performed the operation on a Thursday. It's about a three-and-a-half-hour surgery. Um, we keep her overnight in the hospital, which at that time I was doing routinely. And then the next morning I saw her, and she was doing great, and we sent, I sent her home. The weekend goes by, and Monday I get to my office, and I have a message from her daughter. And the message was, why did my mom die? Oh. And it, I mean, I was absolutely floored. Oh. Uh, I had this uh, pit, a, a nausea in the pit of my stomach. Um, I had, I like literally couldn't form words. And I, got, I eventually got on the phone with her, and she said, my mom died on Saturday. Like, what happened? I hadn't, I hadn't heard anything. So it turns out that she suddenly died um, that Saturday, so like the two days, like literally after her operation. And I went to her chart and I looked and like, what happened here? I tried to find something that could have caused this. Mm -hmm. Was there a medication error? Was there medication interaction? Uh, was there something about her health history that I didn't catch? And there was nothing, like nothing that I could find. Mm -hmm. Uh, it turns out when her autopsy came back later on, she had a massive heart attack. Oh. Even though I had cleared her from a cardiologist standpoint, like I did everything. The only thing I could have done to prevent this was just not operate on her. Right. So this sent me into a complete tailspin. And for months, I considered quitting medicine altogether. I oh. considered choosing a different, you know, going back to residency, finding some other type of a way to, you know, practice medicine. Um, and I really questioned everything that I was taught. And it, and it got me into thinking, finally, when I hit rock bottom, and I just, you know, I prayed to God, like, you know, what do I do? You know, what am I doing with my life? You know, there's this Hippocratic oath of do no harm. Like, am I doing harm? You know, am I, by doing these operations, doing harm on people? Um, and it got me into really realizing that what I had believed was wrong. Like, the goal of being a surgeon is not to bring people to surgery. It should be the opposite. It right. should be, how do I keep people out of surgery, yet still help them to look and feel their best right. without going under the knife. And then that started me kind of delving into alternative and holistic medicine, and that eventually became this book uh, and this concept of autojuvenation. Mm -hmm. And it really is, it's the fact that our bodies have the regenerative abilities to rejuvenate itself. We all know there are things in life you have to compromise on, like going out instead of staying in or eating fast food instead of cooking at home. But when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now, or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you 
and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist, and these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. I know the next time I need a doctor, I'm definitely logging on to ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash bunny, B-U-N-N-I-E, and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash bunny, B-U-N-N-I-E, ZocDoc.com slash bunny. If you ask me, nothing stinks more than when your husband Dutch ovens you with a big, ripe, juicy one and then holds your head down under the covers. Except maybe body odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi whole body deodorant. Lumi delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control everywhere from your pits to your feet and yes, even those private parts. As a special offer, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code and link. Use code BUNNY, B-U-N-N-I-E, at lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. You guys know I absolutely love Lumi. I rock it everywhere I go. I work long hours. So if I'm doing like a podcast run or if I'm out at one of my husband's shows or just overall anxiety ridden and I'm sweating, Lumi has saved me so many times, especially a toasted coconut. I feel like it masks my odor a little bit more and especially that right armpit that always smells like beef stroganoff. If you know, you know. Once again, as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code BUNNY, B-U-N-N-I-E, for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code BUNNY, B-U-N-N-I-E, at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. We just have to give it the right tools and the right environment to do that. Right. And it composes five main things that I focus on. It's what you eat, when you eat, nutritional supplements, skin care, and non-invasive treatments. Mm. And I firmly believe that 80 to 90% of people, if you focus on those things and you do it right, that you can look and feel your best and feel fantastic and look fantastic without having surgery and not feel like you need to. Absolutely. And I love that message too, because in a world where we are literally just bombarded with plastic surgery and stuff like that, to hear a, an actual plastic surgeon say, hey, you don't have to go under the knife. You just need to do these things. And I really truly believe you are what you eat. Like yes. a lot of people will argue with you and say, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it really does matter. The beginning of the year, I started having some really bad health problems that mm -hmm. I had no idea where they where it came from cardiologist appointments i had to wear ekg for a week i mean i'm talking like everything come to find out no doctor could pinpoint what was wrong with me they tried mm. to put me on blood pressure blood pressure medications they tried to do everything and i had to be my own advocate and i was like i'm not doing that come to find out i was allergic to rice oh, wow. rice was really setting off my body but i i in order to find out that i was allergic to rice i had to cut out seed oils i had to go i've, I've been non-dairy for at least 10 years now, but uh, no white flowers, no sugar, like nothing. And yeah. it has completely changed my entire being. And so you are what you eat. And that's a huge thing. And then what's number two? 
Number two is when you eat. Mm -hmm. And so that's something where, you know, one of the main causes of aging of our body is is a buildup of cellular waste. And mm -hmm. so basically our cells, just the act of being alive, we create cellular waste products. And these are proteins and organelles and things inside our cells that can actually build up. And this waste product can build up in our cells unless we clean our cells out from the inside. And the way we do that, it's a process called autophagy, and that mm -hmm. means self-eating. And essentially, when your body runs out of fuel, it starts to use this intracellular waste, these proteins and organelles inside our cells, and recycles them for energy. Absolutely. And that causes our cells to actually clean themselves out on the inside, to function more efficiently, more youthfully, mm -hmm. and it's a great way to essentially turn back the clock and get our body working more youthfully again. But for that to happen, we have to stop eating constantly. Mm -hmm. So the, the problem is, is, you know, as our standard American diet and our lifestyle, we are constantly snacking. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're constantly eating, you do not allow that process to happen. Absolutely. And so one of the main benefits, uh, and I encourage people, even if you just do, you know, a 12 hour, a 16 hour fast to try to do that where you take just a period of time, even as little as 12 hours, where you stop eating at 8 p.m. and you don't eat again until the next morning at 8 a.m., mm -hmm. that's great because it allows your body that time to for your gut to rest mm -hmm. and for your body to kind of clean itself out from the inside using this process of autophagy. Yes, I love fasting. I fast every day. Like I'll stop eating at like 7 o'clock clock at night and then I won't eat until the next morning at like 12 or 1. Mm -hmm. um, but then every, I, I read a book called How to Fast Like a Girl, um, yeah. written by Dr. Oh gosh, I forget her name. Um, yeah, read I've heard that, of it. Yeah. And she, it was amazing and it was life changing because, you know, around a woman's period um, you can also do these protocols and where you go into ketosis mm -hmm. and it's so healing. I never, I have more energy when I don't eat and I fast than I do when I do eat. Isn't that so, interesting? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's the human body is so fascinating. Yeah. Like it's, we're our own science project. Yes. And I think the, the thing is, is that a lot of people don't realize, and traditional medicine is not good with this, is that I do believe that there's this thing called bio-individuality where you may react poorly to rice, but like I've eaten rice all my life. You know, right. I grew up eating it and I'm fine with it. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, because I'm fine with it, that you should be fine right. with it. And traditional <laughs> medicine is not really good with that part of it. Um, and so really, I think it's, it's important to, um, to be aware of your own body and what your triggers are, like what makes you feel healthy and mm -hmm. good, and to follow that, even if it may not completely jive with what most doctors say that in general people should do. Absolutely. Have you ever heard of the blood diet? The blood diet? Yes. So, Is that some type of vampire thing? <laughs> I wish. I know you guys are into like, <laughs> some of the macabre stuff. So, <laughs> so the blood diet is you get your blood drawn and you find out what type, what your blood type is. And you mm. oh, eat yes, according to your blood type. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought it was like kind of hocus pocus and I didn't believe it until yeah. I went through the health stuff. And my body just doesn't react good to carbs. Some people yeah. can eat heavy carbs and I just can't, you know, mm -hmm. come to find out both my parents are diabetics mm -hmm. you know so it's like it's it's just it's crazy and it's fascinating so what's number uh, we're on number three right number three would be supplements supplements let's talk about that because i have you ever heard of uh the mthfr gene mutation they call it the mother effer gene yeah the mother effer gene <laughs> yeah. do you know a lot about it or um some uh -huh. yeah i mean it is something that there's a belief that you may have an increased um, risk of clotting with mm -hmm. that um and so some people who have multiple miscarriages that's something that GYN doctors will look at. For us, we look at it for surgery just because of the potential risk of bleeding after surgery. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know a ton. I mean, it's still, 
the mother effigene is still something <laughs> that traditional doctors, some of them will poo-poo. Right. Uh, and more of my functional medicine uh, friends, they talk a little bit more about that. But I do think that that's a real thing that yeah. we need to pay definitely more attention to. Absolutely. I think it's uh, coming, I think it's becoming more widespread in yeah. the United States. And I think more people are coming to realize that they, I, I was diagnosed with that gene. Oh, so okay. I say all this to say that s certain supplements react crazy with my body mm. i overdosed on supplements i heard that by accident yes like how who the fuck can overdose I've, ne I've never heard of somebody overdosing <laughs> on supplements and having those types of symptoms but i heard that story crazy right yes. yeah uh, anybody with MT, um, HFR gene mutation aside, what kind of supplements do you recommend for a daily basis? Yes. So for me, um, you know, I have friends of mine who are quote unquote biohackers where they'll take like a hundred pills a day. And that's just like, I mean, if you want to do that, then that's fine. These are people who like, they make their living just trying to biohack their body. But the vast majority of people, like, that's that, that's not doable. That's and, insane. Yes. I've so, never heard of that. Now I'm oh, going to go yeah. study that. Yeah. I have, And I have friends of mine who are like, well, depending on the time of day and how they feel that day, they'll take this drawer of supplements or that drawer. So the way drawer. I look. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so the way I look at it is very basic, okay? Right. Um, everybody should take a good daily multivitamin. One of the main reasons why our skin ages is nutrient depletion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a belief that our fruits and vegetables today are not as nutritious as they used to be. And uh, this is a belief soil, right? in holistic medicine. Yeah, and they say, oh, well, the soil has been, um, because of uh, industrial farming practices, it's been depleted of nutrients. So is there proof of that? Well, right. there actually was a study that looked at from 1950 to 1999, looking at various fruits and vegetables here in the United States and found a sig significant reduction in six key nutrients. And wow. three of those ones that stood out to me are iron, protein, and vitamin C. Yes. All of these super important for the skin, especially. Mm. Um and so supplements can definitely help with that part of it. So I always recommend taking a daily multivitamin. I recommend taking a um, omega-3 fatty acid supplement, so like fish oil, yes. uh, for the good healthy fats. I recommend taking a probiotic um, because in the past, we ate a lot more fermented foods, mm. okay? We've got a microbiome in our gut. That is the trillions of bacteria that live inside our gut. And we are finding out over the last 10 to 15 years that the quality and the health of that bacteria is absolutely essential to our overall health. Absolutely. I mean, it's your first brain. Yeah. And there's crazy things that they've done. They've taken actually a rat and have taken a, a rat that's overweight and a rat that's underweight. And they've actually done fecal transplants from the underweight rat to the overweight rat. And you know what happens? Mm -mm. The overweight rat loses a bunch of weight. Wow. Because you think that by, trans try by moving the microbiome from one rat to another, it completely changes how their body reacts. And this is a lot of stuff that we just don't really know a lot about. Right. So, But what we do know, once again, is the microbiome is extremely important. And, so, and we don't eat fermented foods in our diet at all, other than like... Mm -hmm. Um, I love kimchi though. Yogurt, yeah, and sauerkraut, and sauerkraut on bra yeah. brats, like mm -hmm. in the summer, like that's it. Yeah. Um, now I grew up eating kimchi, a lot of kimchi. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we eat a lot of like pickled uh, vegetables and stuff like that. Um, so really important to take a daily probiotic, at least three billion colony-forming units a day is what I usually recommend. Do you recommend the ones that have to be refrigerated? They do the majority of them have to be refrigerated? Yeah, that's usually a sign that it's probably good because okay. if it's not, then you got to wonder is it high quality? Right. Because you want to refrigerate them to make sure that they're still alive. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then the next supplement that I would recommend typically is an antioxidant supplement. Mm -hmm. One of the main reasons why our skin ages prematurely is due to oxidation and free radicals. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, these are damaging molecules that will damage the DNA of our cells. And 
these free radicals essentially are neutralized by antioxidants. That's why people say, hey, eat the rainbow of fruits and vegetables, right. because the actual color of those fruits and vegetables, um, that is the, the pigment is the actual antioxidant. Mm -hmm. And so by eating a various colors of fruits and vegetables, you get a lot of different antioxidants to help fight those free radicals. Yes. Um, and what food has the most free radicals? ultra-processed foods. Mm. And so trying to limit ultra-processed foods in the diet is definitely healthy for your yes. skin. Yes, I had to cut those out too, so I eat everything fresh now, which a lot of people always say, oh, you know, it's expensive to eat that way. And I and it is. America it is. has made it very hard for people to not eat it's, bad. It's more expensive to eat healthy foods than it yeah. is to eat foods that are not healthy for yeah, you. And especially, it's harder to find them. Yeah, especially if you buy organic and stuff too. Yeah. It's crazy. And then what was the fourth one? So the fourth one, so that was the fourth one where the antioxidants. And then the fifth one is collagen, collagen yes. supplements. So are you taking a collagen supplement? Have you done so that? So I've tried and my body is so weird. It kind of huh. like sends me into like a little bit of a depression. So I, really? ever since I did the overdose on supplements, I am just raw dogging life right now. That's and all right. It, but I try to get my supplements through my food. Yeah. So I eat really healthy. You can't out supplement a bad diet. Right. So doing it that way is is definitely better. Yeah, you um, think? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you why can, can't I poop then? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not on a carnivore diet, are you? <laughs> no. I don't know how they. I don't know how they poop because I, I don't yeah, either. I don't get like if you get no fiber, like <laughs> I yeah, it, it would be bad for me. Really, yeah, really I bad. can't. I can't eat like I'll eat red meat once a month, like around my period. But yeah. like I don't. I try to stick to like chicken, like lean meats, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, like my digestive system is just completely thrown off. Um, since I got off supplements. It's been crazy, um, mm. but I do love collagen. I love any sort. I anybody any time anybody asks me, hey, do you ever just wish that you were younger? And I'm like, the only thing I'm ever jealous of younger women is their collagen. Yes, like I want it all. Give it all to me. Yeah, I mean, so we have seventy to eighty percent of our skin is basically made up of collagen. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I really encourage people to focus on if you're looking at the aging process is really focusing on that collagen. Uh, collagen, basically, they're like the logs of a log cabin. And the collagen is what causes our skin to feel tight and firm and smooth and youthful. Mm -hmm. And like everything in life, we start losing it. It starts getting thinner, starting at 1% a year when we're in about our mid-20s. And then women, once they go through menopause, it goes up to about 2% mm. a year. And yeah. that's why you may see women who are in their 60s or 70s, and they've got tissue paper thin skin, mm. and they, they get scratched, and it literally can tear their skin. Oh, and so, my gosh. So that's one thing. You know, if you can tolerate collagen supplements, I do recommend them. Mm. I do think they help. Studies show that they definitely help uh, with the thickness of collagen in your skin. The other thing, though, is collagen is a protein. And mm. so eating higher protein, mm. especially as you get older, yep. uh, can definitely be helpful uh, with your skin as well as other uh, body parts as well. I, I preach to my team all the time. I'm like, you guys need more protein because I eat like 135 grams of protein a day. Oh, wow. That's I, that's not easy to do, especially if you're intermittent fasting. No, it's not. Well, so I have perfected the art of an eating window. So mm -hmm. like I get all my, and I, and I know that they say that you're only supposed to do like 35 grams each meal or something like that. But I just really try to like break up three meals and just make it work, you mm. know? So I, a lot of yogurt in the morning, a lot of um, protein, you know, the protein yogurt, and then a lot of um, you know, like uh, ground chicken, you know, mm -hmm. for dinner and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I'm always preaching to them. I'm like, you guys need to have more protein. They're, they're like, shut the fuck up. Leave me alone. And I'm like, no, it's like, it really helps your body. It is. And there definitely is a huge push now in nutrition and nutrition circles mm -hmm. that 
the lower protein diets um, are definitely not the best, especially as you get older. You yeah. know, we, we developed something called sarcopenia, mm. and this is basically breakdown of muscle as we get older. Right. And you know, one of the things that we worry about as we get older, and, and a very common cause of death, uh, is breaking a hip. Okay, oh. and so God, that causes death. Uh, there was one study that found that over the age of fifty, and I'm like fifty-one, so I guess I'm in that group now. <laughs> that if you I'm break your hip, there. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you break your hip over the age of fifty-one, it's something like a thirty percent mortality over twelve months. It's Goodness insane. gracious! Yeah. Why is there like a? Um... So it's just it's so integral, and I think part of it is that it's so hard to recover from. Oh my! And gosh. so a big thing as you get older is trying to keep mobile, trying mm -hmm. to keep your reflexes as well as your balance intact it's so so important right uh, yoga wanna, yoga yes would so help that's one like... of the big things in my book is yoga so uh -huh. really what you want to look at is balance and and strength via the fast twitch muscle fiber so mm. to put it simply you know there's a lot of people as they get older they believe that walking is the only exercise they need to do okay like yeah. oh if, you know and that and my parents and, and my in-laws that's what they think too it's like oh i walk you know uh, two miles a day so that's all i have to do the problem, but that's a fallacy. Now, walking is great. It's right. super important. You know, yeah. if you get those 10,000 steps, that's awesome. And that will definitely help with your healing or with your aging overall and being healthy. Right. But the problem with just walking, when you think about it, is you're only using those muscles that propel you forward. Right. You're not using any other muscles. Anything else. Okay. And those are called slow twitch muscle fibers. Slow twitch muscle fibers are those fibers that our body uses for kind of endurance, where you know, you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again in a slow fashion. Those are slow twitch muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. Fast twitch muscle fibers are those fibers that we, those muscles that we use for essentially explosive movement. Mm. Okay, so if you're going for sprints, if you're doing HIIT workouts a lot of times, you're using kind of the fast twitch muscle fibers. They're also the muscle fibers that will go into play if you trip, if you're about to fall. Mm. Those are the ones that will steady you. You know, that's why, you know, if you see, you may see an older person who's like uh, 70 or 80 and they trip on something and they just fall and hit their face. Right. It's like slow motion. Yes, because they they're fat. They haven't been working those fast twitch muscle fibers. Mm -hmm. So they don't have those those reflexes, those reaction time where if you or I, we hit a corner or a curb and we start to fall, we will steady ourselves very quickly because right. those muscle fibers are still working. So those muscle fibers, they degenerate as we get older, and that's one reason why older people, they trip on something and they just go straight down because mm -hmm. they haven't been working those. So it's so, so important. You know, yoga, I think, is awesome. Those are also slow twitch muscle fibers, but yoga will help you, uh, obviously, with your balance, which is so, so important, and flexibility. Stretching your muscles, yeah. Exactly, mm -hmm. and it's so great for the mind mm -hmm. uh, and for overall stress reduction, um, but at the same time, Definitely doing weight training, doing resistance training as people get older, not just walking. And, and really, there's three exercises that if, you know, if you, let's say you have, you know, somebody who's in their 60s, 70s, or 80s and like, well, I haven't done resistance training ever. Yeah. Then there's three things definitely to start with. And I encourage anybody who's listening, if you've got somebody in your life who's older, you can see that their mobility is slowing down. Just have them do three things to start out with. Uh, chest press, some type of a chest press where mm -hmm. they can do it. You know, if obviously if they can do a push up, that's great. If they can't, you can do it like a Nautilus chest press, mm -hmm. uh, either a squat or a leg press, okay, and rows. 
So chest press, squat or leg press, and rows. If they do those three exercises, resistance training exercises, that's going to move use most of those muscle groups that are needed mm -hmm. to stay limber and strong and prevent those types of accidents as they get older. That's amazing. I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I love learning stuff like this. There's a 60-year-old lady who I saw on Instagram who is shredded. Dude, oh, I whistled. Who is shredded. And I'm, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, man, I was like, I want to be her. Her, dude like she looked amazing she had muscle tone at 60 like yep. it was crazy so yeah it is possible to there you know. there is a difference between health span and lifespan have you heard those terms um yeah i've heard them but i didn't i'm not in what you're about to say yeah so lifespan essentially is what traditional medicine is really good at it's extending your life mm -hmm. you know and so we're really good at taking somebody who's 60 or 70 they have multiple medical issues and keeping them alive for a long time and that's why mm -hmm. our um, that's why like our life expense expectancy keeps going up because we're essentially kept alive by medications by interventions yeah. you know and, and treatments and things mm -hmm. That is different than actual health span. The idea of health span is how long do you live where you are active and youthful and healthy and doing things that you want to do. Uh, and that's very different. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we try to strive, you know, with kind of a lot of these alternative medicine ideas and a lot of the ideas in my book is how do we extend your health span mm -hmm. so that the ideal is that you live until you're like 100 years old. And even when you're 95, you're out. Uh, ass. Yeah. And you are going on hikes, you're traveling, you're seeing the world, you're eating different foods, yeah. you're on very minimal medications, and you're just feeling energetic and great. And then something happens and you die. Like versus <laughs> oh, the shit. whole that steady <laughs> decline starting in your 50s yeah. where just every year you feel shittier and shittier no, and shittier. Like that. that's kind of the way that we are taught now to age in our society. And so by focusing on these things, you know, eating right, taking some time to not eat for a little bit, you know, even yeah. if just 12 hours, you know, and then getting on those supplements and being super active, even trying things like meditation, mm -hmm. uh, all of that meditation. can really extend that health span and help you live healthier, longer and happier for, for as long as possible. I think meditation is huge also because it's such a stress reduction. And in our it everyday is. lives that we have now, our lives are just so full of stress. It's like you have to put yourself first. And if even if you have 10 minutes, just meditate and just try to decompress and just get you know i always visualize um breathing in a certain color and then blowing out a certain yeah, color yeah. and that's the stress that's yep. coming out and it's life-changing it's amazing because a lot of people think oh meditation how boring no, and like well, what it. can that do you know i'll tell you my story with meditation like i was never really big on meditation i knew it was good for us um but, you know, so the pandemic hits in March of 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a, a practice, a full medical practice. I've got 11 employees. And literally in the span of one morning, we come in and we're seeing patients. And at noon, I close the office down because my employees were freaked out. You know, they're mm -hmm. hearing these stories of like, oh, my gosh, people are getting sick around us. Right. Blah, blah. And so I close it down at noon. And I promise my employees, I say, look, you know, I had just paid off all my taxes because freaking March, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. and I say, look, I'm going to pay you guys. I don't know how long we're going to be closed for, but I will pay you. I will take care of you. You know, you guys go home and just stay healthy and, and, and all that. Mm. Uh, but I had no idea how I was going to do that. Uh, and so I volunteered for my local hospital. My wife and I, my wife's a physician. She's a pediatrician. And we both volunteered for our local hospital if they needed us, which, God forbid, like if you've got COVID and you're like in the ICU and Dr. Yoon comes up to take care of you, like you're <laughs> screwed because <laughs> I don't remember how to do any of that stuff. But so thank God they never actually asked us to come in and help out. Um, but that was 
that was such a stressful time because here I am, like I'm worried about my colleagues and my friends that were working in the hospital. Yeah. I'm worried about my own family, uh, my parents and my in-laws who are you know, almost 80 at that time. And then I worried about my patients and also my employees and like, how am I gonna pay my employees? So the, for the first time, I think since I started my practice, probably for the first time since I tell you about that patient of mine who died, mm. I would fall asleep fine at night and then every night I'd wake up at two or three in the morning just with all these worries going on in my head. And so I was talking to my wife, I'm like, I, I can't, like I get, I wake up and I'm worried and I'm stressed and like, what do I do? And we started meditating together Aww. where we would just take literally 10 to 15 minutes mm -hmm. and you could do a guided meditation. We mm -hmm. did a lot of like Peloton meditation yep. or sometimes I would do it by myself. And just like you said, just pay attention to my breathing, like try to cut everything out and then just pay attention to breathing in and out. And I tell you, Bunny, every day that I meditated, I slept all night. Aww. And those days where I'm like, oh, I don't have time. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Two or three in the morning, I would wake up. Like it, it was crazy yeah. how it was a direct correlation. Uh, there are studies that show that meditation can help you to look younger. It can make changes in your brain mm -hmm. um, to function more efficiently and effectively. Yeah. It's, it is crazy how just that simple act of just what you said of just breathing in and out mm -hmm. can reduce your stress and really help to improve your life. It's wild because if you think about it, Buddhist monks have been meditating for decades. And mm -hmm. I mean, look at them. I you know, you don't have to be a, a believer in Buddha to see that these men are like, they don't age. They're literally like so peaceful and all they, they literally meditate every day. Like it's just a, it's a, it's an amazing uh, outlet. And if anybody wants to ever start meditating, there's a, I'm, I don't get paid for this, but there's an app called insight um, timer. Insight. Yeah. It's called mm -hmm. insight timer. I've turned all my girls onto it. Oh, Mimi, really? And she uses oh, it yeah. for her daughter too. Oh, good. Yeah. And it's amazing. You guys can go on there and if you've never meditated in your life, they have beginner meditations and everything like that. So yeah. And yeah. now occasionally, you know, if I have anxieties and every once in a while I have mm -hmm. some just like, and I don't know why, or sometimes it's before surgery or something, sometimes just in my car, I'll turn yeah. on a guided meditation for 10 minutes. Absolutely. And it's like you feel so much better afterwards. So now since I've learned breathing techniques, um, and I know a lot of people in my audience do suffer from anxiety and they're always asking like, what do you do? There is a meditation that you can do. Um, and it's, you breathe in for six seconds, mm -hmm. you hold it for six seconds, and then you breathe out for six seconds and it automatically snaps your, your, um, nervous system out of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I could be in the middle of a panic attack attack just wanting to run and I do that and it calms me immediately it's just fascinating what breath work can do for you I think that there's so much that our society we have lost touch with mm -hmm. you know even fasting was something that you know Christians mm -hmm. Muslims, Buddhists, yeah mm -hmm. people have done it for centuries but we stopped mm -hmm. you know we just don't have time for it you know right. and same thing with meditation you know this is stuff that we have done you know whatever religion you are like that's has been a part of it you know in its own way and it's just these are things that we lose track of that are such healthy practices to get back to it you know and it comes back to even the food it's like we we you know, we used to know what our food came from mm -hmm. you know and there's this idea of uh, food that is you know, whole foods, not necessarily even plants, but whole foods versus ultra processed foods. And it's very simple, really, is it's when you're eating a food, do you know what plant or mm -hmm. animal that food came from? Right. It doesn't look anything like its original state. And it's funny because right. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in the middle of Michigan mm -hmm. in a tiny town in the middle of Michigan. And um, it was it was a weird dichotomy because my parents at home, we would eat traditional Korean food. So it would be like, 
you know, rice and fish and veggies and garlic and kimchi and stuff like that. Which is a, health, a really healthy diet. Which is, and you know exactly what those foods are coming mm-hmm. from. Like it looks like that food. Yeah. And then we, I go out with my friends. We go to McDonald's and KFC and Burger <laughs> oh, King man. and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, it was this weird dichotomy. And now the funny thing is we've kind of come full circle. And, um, you know, I've got two teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I grew up, when I was their age, I was always at fast food places. Mm-hmm. And now my kids, it's weird because they go out with their friends. They get poke bowls. You know, they get like sushi, they get, (laughs) it's like crazy. They get like Korean food and stuff. And uh, it's, it's good because there is, I think, um, a group, especially I think the younger generation are more understanding of like what's going on with our food and everything nowadays. They're more woke. And I honestly believe that it is because of social media, because, you know, back in the day when we were kids, it was like, we didn't have social media. We only knew like what our parents taught us or what we saw on commercials or TV. Whereas now these kids have so much opportunity at their fingertips and they, you know, they can research and, you know, so it's, it's kind of, even though social media can be, um, the devil's playground it's also a catch 22 because it is informative and it you know is i think guiding the youth in a better way than yeah. we were guided as children um speaking of food if somebody wanted to say change their life after hearing this podcast and start you know a diet what would be a typical day of eating for somebody who wants to to start eating healthier and not eating fast food so the first thing um, that I would recommend, um, so let's start about what to try to reduce, okay? okay? So the great ager of our skin, food-wise, is sugar. Mm-hmm. Sugar is the number one cause of premature aging of the skin, and it does that because the sugar will actually bond to the collagen mm-hmm. in our skin. So I mentioned earlier that the collagen makes up 70 to 80% of our skin. And when you ingest sugar, sugar will actually bond to that collagen, those logs of that log cabin, and will cause those log- logs to become kinked. And the combination of when that the sugar and the um, collagen hybrid, the connections of that are called advanced glycation end products or AGEs. Kind of makes sense, AGEs, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. they prematurely age you. Yeah. Um, and so sugar can do that by literally physically bonding to the collagen of your skin, causing your skin to feel rougher, to have more wrinkles, to be drier, and essentially more aged. Mm. Uh, it also increases, uh, when you get sugar spikes, you get insulin spikes. Yes. Insulin spikes causes chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. And chronic inflammation is one of the great agers of our skin, and sugar, once again, being kind of the big thing. Now, it's important to differentiate acute inflammation from chronic inflammation. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Because there are a lot of treatments that we do that, are, that create acute inflammation. You can get 
uh, laser treatment. You can get microneedling. You can get chemical peels. These all create acute inflammation. And when you cause acute inflammation or you damage the collagen of the skin in a very short-term way, when the collagen heals, it gets tighter. Yeah. And that's why your I skin gets- I love all those, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's why your skin gets tighter after these treatments. Right. But chronic inflammation is a different thing. Right. And so sugar can create chronic inflammation by chronic insulin spikes, and then that can cause premature aging as well. It so, also leads to autoimmune uh, diseases as well. Well, when oh, you have- You can get uh, type 2 diabetes because mm -hmm. essentially when you're getting so much sugar and the insulin keeps going up and down, up mm -hmm. and down, eventually your tissues don't respond to the insulin so well. And if it's not responding to the insulin, your blood sugars go up, and then that's when you eventually get insulin resistance and then type 2 diabetes, right. and then that leads to all sorts of other mm. problems. And yeah. so reducing the amount of sugar that you eat is the first step that I encourage people to consider. You know, you and I, we have a lot of our followers that live in the quote-unquote flyover states. You know, mm -hmm. I'm from Michigan. You know, you're Tennessee. Um, I have a lot of my followers that live in small towns. They mm -hmm. follow me on, you know, TikTok or on Instagram, mm -hmm. and and they're not living in Miami or LA or New York. Right. Um, and for some of them, just the act of hey, you know, going from three cans of soda pop a day to one or two mm -hmm. is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people who are listening, you know, whether you're a follower of mine uh, or a bunny, is that just to reduce some of the amount of sugar you drink. So if you have three cans of soda pop, try to reduce it to two. Mm -hmm. Maybe substitute that other one for a can of kombucha. You know, yeah. something a little bit different or green tea or something or even or just plain water. water. Yeah. <laughs> just water. Water. I'm not sponsored by them, but this is the best water in the world. Mountain Valley water. I love them. Because that just making those little changes mm -hmm. can be huge deals. And, and I really encourage people who are listening that if you can do that, be proud of yourself because those yeah. are big steps towards huge. that that goal. Um, the second thing I encourage people to do is try to reduce the amount of ultra-processed foods mm -hmm. um, because those, once again, they contain free radicals, and then free radicals can cause uh, damage to your skin by this process called oxidation. Mm -hmm. um, so taking those two huge groups of food out I think is so, so important, or reducing amount that you can eat of that. And then what you want to replace that with are colorful fruits and vegetables. We talked about the antioxidants mm -hmm. in them, yep. uh, healthy sources of protein. Uh, and so I'm a big fan of grass-fed beef, of pastured pork, pastured chicken, um, wild-caught fish, mm. um, sustainably caught fish, you know, that are that um, you have vetted, okay? Right. That's good, too. And How so, do you feel about tilapia? Isn't it man-made? So tilapia, there are some studies showing, so um, there are omega-3 fats and omega-6 fats. So when we look at all the different fats that we can eat, there are different kinds. So mm -hmm. some fats are 100% we know are good for you. Right. Omega-3 fatty acids, which are the main fat that we know is healthy for us in fish, that's that's the big thing. Right. Omega-6 fatty acids are called polyunsaturated fatty acids. These are the fats that are in things like margarine, mm -hmm. uh, in like seed oils. Mm -hmm. Um, and then some uh, some oils contain a combination of both. So like olive oil, which in general is really good for you, contains both omega-3 and omega-6. And the goal you want to is to maximize the amount of omega-3s and overall minimize omega-6 because we get way too much of that in our uh, in our general in our society. Right. Um, and so in general, what you want to do then is eat those healthy sources of fats, um, those healthy sources of uh, um, protein. Okay, and then the healthy fruits and vegetables, and then trying to get rid of some of those ultra-processed types of things. Gotcha. And not all salads are good for you. I learned that the hard way whenever I was dieting is there's some salads that have more 
calories and more fat in them like when if you eat a salad you have to like really pay attention to what's in it you can't just be like oh i eat salads every day because that could be yeah i mean if you douse it in a bunch of uh, dressing (laughs) and then you throw a bunch of bacon bits on it yeah so i mean it's the same thing with coffee you know coffee is a Mm -hmm. great drink in general because it's filled with antioxidants but when you throw a bunch of cream and sugar Mm -hmm. and you you mix it up with all these syrups and stuff like that you take you know what essentially is a really a good healthy drink and you make it a you know a a sugar bomb essentially yeah absolutely Um, and so really it's what you do sometimes with these basic foods that make a big difference absolutely i could just pick your brain all day um do you have time to answer a couple questions of course from some of the people i'm on happy Patreon? to talk about that we can talk about anything plastic surgery I would love anti-aging to, yeah, they, they have so many questions about plastic surgery so totally. i figured i would let you answer their questions um these are for everybody on my patreon they are so excited that you're here oh and, thank you um they actually came with a bunch of really good questions so We'll answer a few of them and then we'll move on to a couple other topics. Is it healthier for a fat transfer instead of a breast augmentation? And would you as a doctor consider 48 too old to have said procedure if there isn't any major health issues? Okay, so breast implants, I'm happy to talk about that and breast implant illness. I know you've talked about your Mm -hmm. experience with implants and stuff. Um, So I've got definitely an opinion on that. As far as fat grafting to the breast, a lot of people are talking about that now as kind of like a natural alternative. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a surgery, it is in general, very safe to perform. Essentially what you do is you liposuction fat from your hips or your thighs uh, or your -hmm. your tummy, and then we purify the fat and then inject it into the breasts. Mm -hmm. And as far as Um, immediate complications, it's usually pretty low risk. The thing that a lot of plastic surgeons, and I don't know of anybody talking about this but me, honestly, like Mm -hmm. I have not heard anybody but me, so maybe I don't know (laughs) and everybody else does, but when you think about it theoretically, okay, Mm -hmm. one in nine women will get breast cancer in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. So the breast essentially is a cancer-prone organ, as sad as it is, that's the truth. we know over the last 10 to 15 years that our fat is chock full of stem cells. Mm. Stem cells are cells that are so young that the belief is that you put them into a body part and they will essentially turn into cells for that body part. Mm. And that's the reason why it's exciting for things like cancer. If you have to have an organ removed, the idea is that, hey, I wonder if stem cells can help to remake that organ essentially. So theoretically then what happens if you take a cancer prone organ like a breast and you inject it with a ton of stem cells haphazardly all around the organ. What if, for example, you are 47, she is? Uh, She said 48. 48, okay. And let's say she has a family history of breast cancer. Let's say she has a cluster of dysplastic cells, meaning cells that are not normal, uh, that could eventually create a cancer. Mm -hmm. But there's so few of them, and they're not that aggressive that they won't turn into a cancer until she turns 140 years old. Mm -hmm. But now you inject a bunch of stem cells around those cells. Those stem cells then will turn into the cells that they are around, is it possible that now she develops a breast cancer when she turns 60 or 65? Oh my goodness. I don't know. Yeah. And we don't know the answer to that. Right. And unfortunately, we won't know the answer to that for decades right. because these operations have just been getting popular over the last few years. Yeah. And when I have brought this up with other plastic surgeon colleagues of mine, they kind of brush it off. They're like, well, you know, it's a safe operation. You know, what, what, we, we can't tell the future. Right. But these are things we need to know about. And Absolutely. so for me, I do fat graft into the breast in rare cases when patients have had typically let's say they've had implants and they've had some major complication and they feel that they you know that they, they don't look right and mm-hmm. we try to reconstruct them essentially yeah um, but you really want to weigh those risks versus benefits and it really it's looking at 
plastic surgery from a more holistic perspective. You know, I have this term called the uh, America's Holistic Plastic mm -hmm. Surgeon. People are like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, well, this is one of those things. It's like not not just focusing on the cosmetic result, but how does this affect your whole body? You know, because right. it does you no good if we make your breast bigger with fat and then you develop breast cancer 15 years mm -hmm. from now that you never would have had, and we just didn't understand it because we never actually thought about this in a more holistic whole body perspective. Right. Also another thing um, about getting just fat transfer and the difference between an augmentation of, and fat transfer because I have had my implants taken out. So if I were to go and get fat transfer, it doesn't create that bubble no. on the top. And I think a no. lot of people don't realize that when you just only get fat transfer in your boobs, it's gonna fill out more of the bottom and like yeah. not have the roundness. You can't of a, create roundness with that. It's just that you can maybe get about a half a cup because about half that fat's gonna disappear. Right. Yeah. Unless so. it's me, my body loves fat. <laughs> I, yeah, I had fat transferred to my ass and I swear it keeps growing. Uh, it does, but usually it's if you gain weight. Like I had one patient who I had put fat in her lips mm -hmm. and then she got pregnant maybe a couple of years later yeah. and she was like, she messaged me, she's laughing. She's like, oh my gosh, my lips are so huge. Oh no, who knew that your yeah. lips could grow like that? But if you think about it, could the stem cells? Well, it's fat, you know, yeah. you put fat somewhere and when you gain weight, the fat cells get larger. Oh my goodness, that so, is hilarious. Yeah. What is the scariest thing you've ever seen during a surgery? Any paranormal spookies? Um, you know, I can tell you this wasn't scary, but something that was, I, I guess, kind of in a paranormal, but this is not like the spooky thing. Right. Um, so I had a patient of mine. This is a story actually out of my book, Playing God. But um, this is a woman who came to see me. She was in her early 60s. Mm. She was really overweight um, and she had a cane. So she walks into my office um, on a cane, barely able to walk. Mm. And I took a look at her chart and she is like has every medical problem known to man. Like she was diabetic. She had had um, stents placed from having a heart attack. Um, she had oh, nice. uh, was on blood thinners and like everything you can think of. It's what we call in medicine a train wreck. And uh, and yeah, it's <laughs> not a nice term, but this is what we call it. If you go to the ER and like, oh, this person's a train wreck, you know, oh, geez, they've got every medical issue. Right. Um, and so she comes to see me and I was like, well, what can I do for you? And she said, uh, I had a tummy tuck done by another surgeon and everything fell apart. And she said, my tummy is a mess. I'm in so much pain that I can barely walk. And she, get tears, she got tears in her eyes. And she's like, Dr. Yoon, I need you to help me. She said, I've been to 10 other, 10 or 12 or some other plastic surgeons and everybody has turned me down and you're my mm -hmm. last hope. So I said, well, what's going on? And she said, so I had this operation by this other doctor. They removed the skin from my tummy and then everything turned black. My tissue died and I was in the hospital for months and now everything is scarred in and it's just so painful. And she got tears in her eyes and she said, Dr. Yoon, I can't even play with my granddaughter. She goes, the one thing I wanna do is be able to play with my granddaughter again. And so I look at her information and I tell her, I'm like, look, you know, you've got so many medical issues. They probably turned you down because you're at such high risk. Like you can die from this operation. Right. And she goes, my life is over right now as it is. Like, what am I worried about? Oh so, gosh. you know, somebody like that comes in and you look at all these things and you're just like, dang, you know, if I were to bring this person to surgery, she could die on the operating table or she could have a bleeding complication afterwards. There's so many things that can go right. wrong. Um, but this was one of those handful of times as a physician where I go over all this stuff and I look at it and I just have this sense of assuredness. Um, that everything was going to be okay, mm. and that this was something that I had to do for her. Although, like the scientific part of me, you know, the rational part of my head is like, say no, don't operate on her. Right. This is a big mistake. <laughs> That's scary. But there was that part of me that was like, I've got to do this for her, and 
and for some reason I know it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So her surgery, so I tell her, look, I say, look, you know, I'm willing to do this operation for you, but I need to tell you, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. I can't guarantee your result. And I said, you know, we can try to get your insurance to pay for it. I don't even know if they're going to pay for it. Um, and I said, well, but, but let's do this. I feel like I need to help you. So the, the night before her surgery, I don't do this, most, I don't do this much, um, but I prayed for her. And I prayed that the surgery was going to go fine and that she was going to do fine. You're such a sweet and doctor. I, I get to the operating room. We do this operation, and it goes so smoothly. Like, Aww, it literally took like two and a half yay. hours, removed all the scar tissue, and she just flew in her postoperative recovery. And I knew at the time when I was operating, as things were going along, like I didn't, I didn't feel alone. Like I felt like I was being guided. Right. Um, so the funny thing is, she comes back a few weeks later. Um, I think I went on vacation or something, so I hadn't seen her. And she came back a few weeks later, no cane. Uh, she has a cake that she baked for me, and she's like, and she knew that her insurance had rejected the claim that they weren't going to pay for her surgery. And she's like, look, I'm really sorry. I don't have any money to pay you. She goes, but here's a cake that I baked for you. And I tell you, Bunny. I have a rule that whenever my patients bring in food to my office, I will not eat it because I don't know what their kitchen looks like. <laughs> they could have chachi like standing on their counters and like. You sound like me. I'm the same way. <laughs> like, if I don't know where it came from, I'm not so eating like, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> what if they um, decided to make like you know weed brownies or something yeah, like that? Yeah, so, so I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that's really nice. It's like my usual, like, oh, thanks. And um, so she tells me she's like, Doctor Yoon, she goes, you know. She goes, why did you do it? Why did you do this operation? Everybody else turned me down. And I said, you know, I just had this feeling that this was the right thing to do, that you needed my help and that I wasn't alone doing this, that, that somebody was guiding me. And so, um, so she says, you know, and, and she's like, gives me a piece of the cake. And like, I, <laughs> I finally like, okay, fine, I'll eat it. <laughs> so she was like, she thanked me. And she said, I'm, I was so excited. I, I was hanging out with my granddaughter last night and I'm able to play with her again. And she just thanked me for it. And it's like, I mean, so sometimes every once in a while as a physician, there are these handful of patients through your lives that, you know, through your career that Mm -hmm. just mean everything. And it has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with like, oh, this fine result that I'm so proud of. It's just like you change somebody's life and it just means everything. It's chicken soup for the soul. It's that type of thing. Yeah. Just not quite so cheesy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's a beautiful story. Oh, thank you. Tummy tuck or lipo for fluff that won't go away after having kids. Depends on wear and skin quality. So tummy tucks remove excess skin, typically below the belly button, above the pubic area. Mm. But you trade it for a hip-to-hip scar and a scar around the belly button, mm. okay? There's no other way around it. Like, there's no secret to it. It's just you cut that extra skin and fat out, then you pull the skin down, and then you trade it for those scars. Lipo is removal of fat, um, and if you've had multiple kids and you're talking about the tummy, most likely you're talking a tummy tuck. If you haven't had kids and you've got love handles or something like that and your skin is pretty tight, then yeah. that's what lipo can help with. So tummy tuck is for excess skin of the tummy. Lipo does not do that. It, if anything, can make it worse. Right. Yeah. So if you go and you get lipo and you have, you know, a, a lot of fat right there and they pull it out, the skin can hang. So you're just going to end up exactly. having to get a tummy tuck anyways. Yeah. So if you're unhappy with your tummy after having kids, most of the time, lipo is not going to be a good solution. Most of the time, you're looking at a tummy tuck. Mm. Yeah. What is the wildest request you've ever had for a surgery? 
Oh, you know, I can tell you a wild story if you want. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Okay. I mean, I get wild requests, but this was like a wild story. I had a patient who came in to see me. This was, I literally was in practice for four months. Mm. So I'm this new plastic surgeon <laughs> in Michigan. I, and I thought I was kind of like, I, in, in my head, I was trying to present myself like as a Beverly Hills big shot because I trained yeah. out in Beverly Hills. And now I'm in like Rochester Hills, Michigan, this small town. And I'm, and I, and, and you know, I, at the same time, inside, I knew, like, I'm, I'm brand new, I'm green, like, I've not treated people by myself before, and I was nervous. But on the surface, it's like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, I'm a real plastic surgeon, I've trained in Beverly Hills. I got and this. So this woman comes in, and she had had a facelift and a brow lift done by a different plastic surgeon, uh, a guy who was really not thought of well in my community as oh. kind of a chop shot type guy. Oh. And so she had some areas where a little bit of loose skin here, her brows had dropped again and stuff. And she's like, can you fix me or can you make things better? So I'm like, and she goes, I used to be a model. And she was now in her late 50s. She goes, I used to be a model. And now I'm just feeling like I've lost it. And can you please help me? And I felt bad for her. So I said, you know what, let me give you a discount and let's do this operation. And it was a brow lift and a facelift. And I brought her to surgery and the surgery went perfectly. So she comes back to see me at one week and she was happy at one week. And then at three weeks, she was happy. And then all of a sudden I get a call from her a couple weeks later saying that, that I botched her and that she is going to go see some other surgeons to see what can be done to fix it. So now like I'm literally four months in practice. I'd never had an unhappy patient before. I didn't know what to do with it. Um, and so I, I call her up and I say, Hey, what's going on? She goes, you botched me. Uh, I'm trying to find somebody to fix this. And I, so I said, well, please just come back to the office. Let's take a peek at it. Because last time I saw her, she looked great. Like right. uh, healing was fine. So I said, just come back to the office and let's just take a peek and see what's going on. You know, let's see what I can do to help you. So she comes into the office. She comes barging into I, I schedule her at the end of the day because I'm thinking like, I think she's mad and I don't want her to scare <laughs> other patients away. Right. So you always schedule them at the end of the day so that they don't like, you know, ruin the rest of your day and scare everybody away. Um, so she comes in, she barges in the door and she is pissed off. Her face is bright red and she starts screaming at me. And she's like, you botched me, you botched me, you made me look oriental. And I'm like, oriental? She goes, you made me look like you. And I'm like, what? And like, she's Caucasian, you know? And like, no, she doesn't look Asian. Um, and so I go, well, I go, let's set, settle down. She goes, I saw this other doctor and he told me I, that, that I'm a train wreck now, that, I, that you completely botched me. And I'm like, I'm actually really good friends with this doctor. There's no way he would ever say that. And I don't tell her this, but I go, well, I go, what can I do to try to make it up for you? Like, let's, you know, let's, let's see what we can do together. And she goes, you better pay me a half a million dollars or I'm going to run you out of town. And I go, I go, I don't have, like, I was literally $200,000 in debt. Right. Like, I, Did I, she look Asian? No, she <laughs> looked fine. And she was healing fine. Looking at her incisions, everything was healing fine. She had bidysmorphia. What she oh, looked at and saw in goodness. the mirror was different than what everybody else saw. Oh. So I'm like, I, I go, look, I don't have a half a million dollars. Like, I'm like, I'm literally 200 grand in debt myself. And that's my debt. My wife had another 200 grand. So oh. we're like almost half a million the whole as it is. Gosh. And so, so I go, I don't have that money. And she goes, goes $150,000. You pay me $150,000 and I will forget that you destroyed my face. And I go, look, you actually look fine. Like, let's talk this over. And then she goes, carte blanche. Carte blanche, I get whatever I want by whatever surgeon I want for the next three years and you pay for it. And I'm like, I mean, what? Are, this isn't like a. She's literally negotiating oh, yeah. with you. <laughs> so I go, look, I can't do that. Then she goes, if you don't do that, then I'm going to send you back to LA where the only people who allow you to operate on them are the whores. And oh. she starts running my through my office, literally screaming, the whores, the whores, the whores. 
she goes up to my big window and like a horror movie, she's like, I'm a monster, looking at the window, screaming at the top of her lungs. And so I'm like, oh my. And now I knew that she was going to be unhappy. So I actually wrote her a check for what I had, what she paid me and what her hospital fees were. Like I would have, it's like more than what I made, like what she paid me and a lot more. Because before, you know, when, before she came in, I had this feeling like this is going to go bad. And I had a release for her where if she were to sign the release, then like it releases me of indemnity of, of any responsibility. Yeah. So I say, look, I go, I've got a check for the cost of your operation. I go, this is money that you paid the hospital too. I go, I will give you this check if you sign this release. And she goes, she looks at it. She goes, this is all you're offering me? And she goes, I will destroy you. I've got good friends in town and we're going to send you back to where you came from. And she leaves and slams the door and leaves. My employees are like hiding under their desks and they're like, oh my <laughs> gosh. So I call up my old mentor in LA who he has seen freaking everything. I remember he told me back in the day, he said, I had a patient of mine. He goes, yeah, I had a patient of mine who was stalking me, would actually be in bushes in front of my house and looking through my windows. And so I'm like, well, he had this person, like that person was nuts. So maybe he knows what to do. <laughs> so I call him up and I say, hey doc, I'm like, this woman, she's like going crazy. I think she's going to like, she's threatened. She actually threatened to hit me with her car at one point. And like, she's going to like, I think she's going to attack me. And I go, what did you do to get rid of that patient? And he goes, oh, simple. I hired some guys to beat her up. Oh. And I'm like, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to hire people. that I don't even know who to hire to call anyway. Like not that I would hire somebody to beat up a patient of mine. So, I, so I'm like, okay, thanks for nothing. And he's like, tell me what happens. This is exciting. And I hang up on him. So, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, what do I do? And like my employees, like their eyes are huge. Like all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. And she's at the door. And my employees are like, she probably has a gun. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And they're like, don't open the door. And I'm like, I kind of like a ninja. I like creep up to where the window is. And like, I look around the corner and like, I'm looking like there's no gun or anything. Yeah. So I go up to the door, I open it up. She, she barges in takes a check that I had put on the front desk, puts it in her pocket, signs the release, walks up to me, and she goes, this is not over. And she walks out the door. And so now the next day I had an operation. It was actually a breast reconstruction on a woman who had these huge breasts, and she'd had cancer and this and that. It was going to be one of the most difficult, probably the most difficult operation I was supposed, to, I was going to do up to that point in my career. Poor thing. I could not sleep overnight, and I call her up. It was like 5 in the morning. And I go, I'm really sorry. I said, I can't operate on you today. Um, she goes, well, that's okay. And she, she's so nice. She goes, we'll, we'll do this later. And I go, no. I go, I don't think I can operate on you. And for months, I had like lost all sense of like confidence in myself because like here I, what did I do to this woman? Um, so a couple weeks go by and I'm at the hospital treating a patient and I get a call from my office. And they're like, you need to come back. That patient's mom has left you a message. So I go, what is the message? And, and the message is, you need to call me, my daughter is suicidal. So now I'm Aww. like, I'm like, fuck. This, now my, what happened, like my patient's gonna freaking kill herself because of this freaking facelift that I did on her. And like, what do I do? I call one, one of my best friends, a psychiatrist. And I say, Brian, like, this is what's going on. Like, what do I do? And he goes, you need to tell her, her mom to call the police and send her to the hospital immediately. Cause yeah. you know, if she's suicidal, you've gotta do that. So I'm like, okay. So I call her mom up and I'm like, hey, this is Dr. Yoon. And I'm calling, you know, you left me a message about your daughter and, and you said she is suicidal. Is that true? And she goes, 
what? Suicidal? What are you talking about? And I go, well, this is what message was left. And she goes, no, no, that's a figure of speech. She needs more money to pay for what you did to her. And oh I'm like, my gosh. oh my gosh, like this is an 80 year old woman, 85 year old woman trying to like, trying to like blackmail me for more money. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, look, I'm sorry, this conversation's over. And, and like, that was the end of it. But, and you never heard from them again? You know, I, so I referred her in, I referred her initially when she called before I saw her and, and that whole crazy episode happened. Mm -hmm. And I gave her some names of some local surgeons who are much older than me who've been very established. Right. And so I ran into one of them at a meeting a, a couple years later. And he was like, hey, Tony. I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? And, and he was like, you know that one patient? And I'm like, oh, I know who you're talking about. And he goes, She's effing crazy. Oh my <laughs> God. Like, so it yeah. was just she was just looking for a paycheck. And... I think that she saw this young, naive, like nice Aww. surgeon and was like and, and got a nice result. I think part of it may be BDD, like by dysmorphia. Yeah. And part of it is like, I'm gonna take this guy for everything he has. Oh, and like now gosh. I would handle that experience very differently in my yeah, career. Like I absolutely. would never let somebody talk to me that way. Ever. But at the time, I was literally four months in practice, and yeah. like I was so green and just wanting to make everybody happy oh. and develop this little practice, and it's like oh, so uh, traumatic. I hate that. I would think being a plastic surgeon, you would deal with everybody that comes in there has body dysmorphia. I know it's I have like body dysmorphia. It's like at least ten percent of yeah. patients. Yeah, and it's tough. It yeah, it can be really hard. Crazy. Yeah, but you know, in the end, it's the problem with body dysmorphia. I mean, you say, look, I have body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. The fact that you say that means you probably really don't have much of it. And, really? and you may have some of it, because mm -hmm. one huge thing with biodysmorphia is that people who have it don't believe they have it, you know? And so wow. somebody will say, hey, they've got like a little bump on their nose. And for you and I, we may see them and go, oh, there's a little bump there, they, their nose looks fine. But to them, that bump is the size of Mount Rushmore. Right. And they don't understand why we can't see how horrible their nose looks. And so a lot of times then they'll undergo surgery after surgery after surgery to correct a perceived problem right. that was never even there in the first place. Wow. And they don't even, and, and for them, the reality is very different. You know, they see things that we literally don't see. Like it's their they reality. They have body dysmorphia all the time. You think so, Mimi? <laughs> CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <laughs> you feel like answering a few more questions? Oh, yeah, of course. I, I won't be so long-winded on the next one. No, months. you're fine. I love it. I love learning about this stuff and listening to it. It's just fascinating to me. Like, I, I've always wanted to ask um, a plastic surgeon, what is it like? I don't know if this is too graphic, but what is it like the first time you cut into a body? <laughs> so we do that in, in, said, <laughs> in medical school and residency. Yeah. And it... You know, the good thing is that you're not the first one to do it. Right. <laughs> and so you're assisting. Right. Um, and uh, I think it's the first time it's your patient 
is when it's really scary. Right. That's what, yeah. You know, because being a resident, there was always backup. You know, like when we did surgery and in residency, you had the older surgeon basically saying like, cut here. I remember the first time they actually, um, I was operating with the surgeon. I was, I was, a, a, I think maybe an intern mm -hmm. and I was doing, essentially it was a hernia. Right. And that's like one of the basic operations. Mm -hmm. And I'd never started an operation before. And uh, we're standing there over the patient and he goes, Tony, get started. And I had a clamp in my hand or no i had nothing in my hand he goes tony get started and i had never started an operation before so i'm like uh and i grabbed the clamp off of the the um the mail stand which is the mm -hmm. stand that the, that the scrub techs have and he looks at me like you idiot are you gonna make a cut with a clamp <laughs> and i'm like oh no like oh can i have a scalpel please <laughs> I'm, I, so you gotta start in somewhere that's what i mean like I, I could never do it i would probably pass out no because like, it's it's baby steps you know i mean right. our training you know for me my training started when i was a medical student and literally you're talking i mean i did my six husband years is facetiming and i know he wants to say hi oh. to you so hold on one second hello jelly roll <laughs> Big fan, my friend. Big fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah, that's an honor. I love you. We're in the middle of the pod, but I told him that I know you were calling just to say hi to him. Love you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I, I just but, know that he was calling to say yeah, hi. It's to all you. good. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's baby steps. Yeah. You know, I remember back. You know, now it's like I've. You, you start from literally doing the tiniest little procedures. I remember the first time I did a spinal tap on a oh. little baby, and I was so nervous as yeah. a medical student. But the but the attending uh, pediatrician was just so gentle and reassuring mm -hmm. that that you learn these things of, of how to help teach, right. and and it gets to you know. It, it, and I think the big thing that a lot of surgeons forget is that we were once at that beginning stage too. You know, right. so occasionally I'll have residents come work with me and stuff like that. Um, and I think a lot of surgeons forget what the, what it was like when you were at the bottom of the totem pole. You right. know, and my third book was called Playing God. And it's mm -hmm. this idea that surgeons have of this God complex where they feel that they are just so superior sometimes to everybody else mm -hmm. because they lose track of where they started. You know, right. and for me, I look at that medical student that was like so excited to do a spinal tap and then like so nervous because here's this little kid, this little baby, you know, mm -hmm. uh, all the way up to now where it's like, yeah, I've had people say thank you for saving my life. And, you know, and I've cut people's skin open and pull out. It's like when you think about it, like how arrogant do you have to be to think that you can cut somebody open, especially in plastic surgery, where they're completely healthy and you make them unhealthy for a period of time, expecting that they're going to be healthy again. Right. And that that's how you make your living. Like plastic how surgery arrogant does it have to be? It's beautiful, but it's so barbaric at the same time. It can be. Oh, I had yeah. high def vaser lipo and then I also yep. had fat transferred to my ass and I'm telling you, I don't know. The healing for that was brutal. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it was crazy. And um, I, it's just, it's fascinating to know that you can cut somebody open, take stuff out, sew them up again, and then the outcome is absolutely gorgeous. Well, it's like I said earlier, this idea of auto-juvenation. It's mm -hmm. your body has innate regenerative abilities to rejuvenate itself. Like our body wants to heal itself. It mm -hmm. wants to be healthy. It wants to be um, vibrant and youthful, mm -hmm. you know? And, and it's like you do things like that. You traumatize your body and it heals. And mm -hmm. within a few weeks, it's like, wow, I'm back to exercising and stuff like that. Um, it's just, once again, we, we need to ideally give it the abilities, the, the, not the ability, but the tools to do that and the environment to do that. Right. Uh, and that's what I think is so missing in a lot of uh, today's lifestyle. And, and that's one of the big things I really bring up in the book. And, yeah. you know, how do you do that? Like, what tools do you give your body to, to get you feeling 
young and healthy and vibrant. You know, I think that there are so many people today that go through life not knowing how amazing they can feel. Absolutely. You know, they don't know that all that gluten that they're eating potentially mm -hmm. is causing them to feel real crummy. Yes. And unless they do what you did, go on an elimination diet, get rid of some of those mm -hmm. things, it's like we, we have this thing in the book called the 21 day jumpstart, mm -hmm. where in three weeks or 21 days, basically what we do is we put them on a collagen supporting um, healthy diet. Mm -hmm. We start them on intermittent fasting weeks two and three, not week one, because we want to kind of ease them into it. Right. We put them on certain supplements and skincare. And we do it just for 21 days. And the changes that we saw were incredible. Amazing. Once again, giving your body just the right tools. We had people, and it's not like a facelift. Like if you got jowls, you're not, you do a 21 day jumpstart, <laughs> not doing a 21 day jumpstart. It's not gonna get rid of jowls or right. loose skin or whatever. Um, but we had people where they were, where actual strangers would approach them on the street and say, what are you doing with your skin? Because wow. I need to do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Or they go out to dinner with their friends, not knowing that they're doing this jumpstart and their friends would be like, wow, your skin looks amazing. Are you doing something different? Like what's going on here? Mm -hmm. um, and it's just allowing your body to use those natural regenerative abilities uh, to, you know, don't get in the way of it, you know, yeah, and, let your and body give it those things. Just be, I'm excited to read your books. I can't wait. Now that I know that you have four, I'm really excited because <laughs> I'm an information junkie. I always oh, just want to consume. So I'm super excited about that. It says I have factor five Leiden clotting mm -hmm. disorder with mm -hmm. previous DVT slash PE. Would I ever be allowed to have elective surgery? Um, the answer is yes. So what she says is she's got a clotting disorder and the fact that she's had a DVT or PE is a big That's deal. in your leg, right? Yes. Pulmonary so, embolism, right? Yes. It's a, a PE is a pulmonary embolism. A DVT is a Oof. deep vein thrombosis where you get a clot me. in your deep veins. Mm. That can kill you. Yes. When you look at people who die from plastic surgery, then the most common cause is a DVT, a deep vein thrombosis, a clot in your leg that eventually goes to your lungs, being a PE, and then people die from that. Goodness. Uh, and the ways to prevent that would be, number one, to walk after surgery. Number two, to have le a less length of an operation, a shorter operation. And so for her, um, having that risk, um, most doctors, like she, she, if she came to see me and wanted a high-risk operation like a tummy tuck, I would probably say, uh, depending on what her condition was, if it was really purely cosmetic, it wasn't that bad, then I would really talk to her, like, are these risks worth the benefits? Right. Because you can put a patient like that on blood thinners uh, and help lower the risk of that happening, mm -hmm. but then you increase the risk of bleeding, mm. okay? Because you put them on bl uh, blood thinners right. afterwards. So you can technically do it, but do you want to go through that? That's gonna be the big question. So it comes down to what operation you're thinking of, and then um, is it worth taking the risk of going on blood thinners for that operation. Right. Uh, and so let's say if her situation, she's like, look, doctor, you and I've had four kids. I've got skin that's hanging down to my mid thigh. It's, it chafes. I've got infections and stuff mm. like that. Then it may be worth taking that risk. Um, if it's, well, I kind of want implants because I'm a C and I want to be a D, then maybe it's right. not really worth taking that risk, you know, because right. do you want to potentially die from that? And no. so really it's weighing those risk benefits that's most mm. important. It's a great answer though, for sure. <clears throat> Gosh, I have pulmonary. I just ripped my calf muscle oh, <laughs> on no. Halloween. It was the worst thing ever. And I kept telling everybody, I was like, I'm going to get a blood clot. I know it. I was like so scared because, you know, you I've move. never had that type of injury. Yeah, it was, you got to walk. That's the big thing. I did. I did for sure. And yeah. I, got, I got a compression sock and I still worked out even with the injury. Like I was like, I'm determined to not do this. Um, what is the most common procedure that you do? And also what is your least favorite procedure to do? 
Um, so the most common procedure in my office is Botox. Mm. I mean, we are injecting Botox all day long in my I office. I've got five injectors. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And I've injected myself here before. <laughs> um, I just got Daxify a few months ago, mm -hmm. which is a uh, believed to be a longer lasting version of Botox. Mm -hmm. Is it like um, Dysport? Dysport is more, so Dysport, Botox, and Daxify, are, you, know, you get the same result. The idea really is that the Daxify will last longer. And there's little minor tweaks in between. Like Dysport is more of a softer result. Usually right. a lot of people believe it, it spreads a little bit more. Gotcha. Um, Daxify is mainly longer lasting. Gotcha. Um, and so in the office, uh, the number one thing is going to be Botox. As far as procedure surgery, my most common is breast implant surgery, mm -hmm. is breast augmentation. Um, least favorite operation, honestly, was rhinoplasty. I used to do a mm. lot of rhinoplasties and I just never liked it. Brutal. So I stopped doing them. Um, Why did you not like doing them? So I trained with them and I saw a lot of just, just nightmare like revisions that would not of my patients, but that you try to fix. And it's just, it's a really hard operation to get. And it's a like the center happy. of someone's face, you know? Yeah. And the problem with the thing I didn't like about rhinoplasty is that you could do such a good job. It's so tedious and, um, uh, it's, it's so tedious. And the problem is you could get scar tissue that Oof. can develop that is not under your control that can really impact your result because just a millimeter of scar tissue on a nose can be visible from a normal speaking distance. Wow. And so because of that, there, some of the result is without is not in your hands. And so of all the surgeries we do cosmetically, rhinoplasty or nose jobs has the highest revision rate where people wanna go back to surgery to fix it up. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have your own operating room, which I do not, then you get in this really uncomfortable situation where if you get your nose done and you're unhappy with it and you want it to get revised, who pays for it? Right. You know, I could do it for free, but then who pays for the anesthesia and the operating room, you mm -hmm. know? And then you get into that situation, well, geez, if I think it's a good result, but but the patient doesn't, right? do I then pay the bill for that to try to make them happy? Do they pay for, like, it just, ugh. You're and such so, a nice doctor. I just always felt bad, and so I just never liked doing Most it. Most doctors would tell people to go F themselves. <laughs> um, yes, I've never told a patient to go F themselves. I've wanted to sometimes. Usually the people I want to say that to are like the husbands or boyfriends of the patients. Right. They, I often want to say that to, but yeah. not the patient so much. Do you get that a lot? Like the boyfriends come in there and they're just like like putting their input on what they want their girlfriend. It drives me nuts. Yeah, if yeah. you see my social media, I do, like, that's it. a lot of what I do is because like you just sometimes sit there and like, I mean, it baffles you yeah. on what some of these guys are doing. Like I had a patient just not that long ago who had a complication from another surgeon and came to see me. This patient was literally lied when they say, oh, you know, I, I want to get a consultation. It was for breast implants. Mm -hmm. And I want to get a consultation for breast implants. We got her in. And then she came in. She had a tummy tucked down by me before, which had healed fine. And she had had surgery literally three weeks before she came to see me. Oh, my gosh. She had implants put in by a different doctor. And she was really unhappy. No, she had her implants taken out. That's what it was. She had her implants taken out. She had an explant. And it was a mess. Mm. And so she came in to see me, and she's like, uh, w and, and the consult was for an explant. But right. they didn't tell my office that it was three weeks that she had had it by another doctor. So I'm looking at her, and it was an out. Like, when you do explant surgery, uh, and you essentially these are taking implants out of somebody. Now, if you've got, like, you know, you had large breasts, and so you they take your huge. implants out and your breasts just look smaller mm -hmm. uh, and they look flatter. But if you don't have enough breast tissue and you take implants out, it can look like like a balloon that deflated and but stayed stretched out essentially. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what they she do looked fluff like. back up though. After it a took, little bit. See, mine fluffed up a lot after I'd have to say six months to a year. My boobs look like they did when they I was nineteen. Like they were like I maybe I was a lucky one, I think but you were. yeah, because yeah. usually that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I everybody thinks I still have implants. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's probably just naturally you've got large breasts, and I do think that sometimes the body wants to be a certain size, right? <laughs> no matter what you do. <laughs> um, but this patient was a mess, and right. I was just like. And it was three weeks out, and she's like, what do I do? And I said, look, the only way for us to fix this, honestly, is to put smaller implants back in and then heal, give it six months to heal, and we'll take those out and do this the right way. Mm-hmm. I go, that's the only way I can fix you. The other surgeon recommended in fat grafting, but her she had so many of these folds in her breast where things had deflated and Oof. had scarred in, or oh. were starting to scar in. I'm like, I can't fix that. We have to put the implants back in, reinflate you, and then we'll do it the right way. And, and, and she goes, yeah, that's the right thing to do. She goes, that sounds correct. And her husband's like, nope, we're not doing that. And I look at him, I'm like, what? And she's like, and she looks at him, she's like, I think this makes total sense. You know, the other doctor really messed it up and like, mm-hmm. it doesn't look right. He goes, that's not my plan. I've got my own plan for you. Ew. And he was some type of a doctor, but he was not a plastic surgeon. Right. Yeah. And so she, I'm looking at him like, okay. <laughs> and I go, well, and, and I explained exactly like, this is what totally makes sense. And it really, when you look at her body, like it 100%, this is a way to get her looking the way she wanted to. Right. And he is just like, nope, I've got my own plans. And, you know, thank you so much for your time, doctor. We're, we're leaving. Like, That's what? so cringy. After she had, she is like, yes, this makes sense to me. Let's do this, Dr. Yoon. And then he all, he's sitting there and, you know, they had his arms folded and it's like, nope. Nope, you're not doing that. I got my own plans for you. And like, what kind of doctor? He's a, maybe he's a podiatrist for all I know. Like, <laughs> why is he deciding what she should have done? It's, this You hear this all this type of stuff all the time. Yeah. I don't think I've ever brought a man into my plastic surgery appointments because I it's my body and I'm going to do what I want with it. I don't care what their opinion is. So ladies, leave the men at home unless they're supportive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, and and I'd say 95% of men who are there are super supportive. They're yeah. Like, Whatever you want. Like, I... I don't think you need anything. You're beautiful the way you are, but whatever you want is yeah. fine. I'll support you. And like, that's the way you got to do it. But every so often you get some There's guys that, that are just like, uh, yeah, I want her to be bigger than that. And you're just Ew. like, what? Like, uh, she's like, I like this size. I'm like, honey, you told me you're going to go bigger. You know, I like big breasts. And it's Ew. like, oh, I can't stand that. It just, yeah. Like you just want to smack them. But. <laughs> Let's touch base on your social media because you have a huge following on TikTok. You're at like, what, 8.1 million? 8. I think I'm at 8.3 or something. Yeah, like yeah, that's insane. Nuts. Like yeah, you are TikTok's crazy. plastic yeah, surgeon. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, Do it's you all, love like, all it? All the teenagers, like they recognize me and my kids get a kick out of it. Oh, I yeah, love that. Funny. I'm actually somehow the cool dad. Like I was never the cool teenager, <laughs> but I'm somehow the cool dad. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how life comes full circle? <laughs> um, I think it's more like not a full circle, more like 180 degrees. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you do such a good job. Like, is, oh, thank you. do you have a marketing team or do you do that all yourself? No, it's all me. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's when the pandemic hit and I started creating content, um, I just, I was trying to figure out how do I, how do I like, pay my employees and the biggest check I was getting was from Google mm-hmm. for my YouTube channel yep so I'm like well let me create more content and I wasn't worried about getting patients in because my office was closed for two and a half months so I was right. like hey let me just create content that could make people smile take them out of the crazy lonely scary time for even 30 seconds and mm-hmm. you know, it's like what you're doing I mean it's I love what you're doing it's like you give people a chuckle it's like no, you're not taking you. yourself too seriously you can't and people love that yeah and um 
and, and one of the best things I, I got is I had all these messages after, you know, things kind of opening up and it's like, hey, thank you for keeping for keeping me company during the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I was lonely and, and I you helped keep me company. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing what just a smile can do for somebody, you know, like you never know who's watching that video on the other end. And yeah. I think it's awesome that you have created this community of a safe space where people can actually come to you and you're actually like accessible most plastic surgeons or like doctors of your stature are not accessible and i think that's what kind of sets you apart so i think that part of it is like i mean it's weird like not caring about clout gives you clout right and there's so many people in, in my field who are buying followers you know oh I yeah mean, you could tell like you know they've got like you know, more more Instagram followers than me, but they get like three comments and like three <laughs> comments and twenty thousand likes, and you're like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. there's something wrong here. You yeah, know? you're and like, what's going on? Yeah, the field of plastic surgery, it's it, there's a lot of really good doctors out there, and then there's a lot of people who are just they want clout and they want money, and yeah. like, that's all that matters, and it's just it's nuts. Yeah, you know, and there's so much more to life than that. Um, yeah, so sitting here talking to you uh, makes me have faith in the uh, medical field again because for the longest time I lost hope because you run into so many doctors who don't have a heart and don't care about their patients. And, you know, sitting here with you for this past, you know, hour and a half, two hours oh, has been you. kind of healing because we need more doctors like you in the world and people who actually really care and have a heart and, you know, want people to heal and not just hurt. So thank I think you. That, I think that there's a lot of doctors who want that. I think there's a lot of doctors, unfortunately, right now that don't know what they don't know. Mm. And what we're talking about, a lot of things we're talking about with kind of alternative medicine and holistic medicine and looking at the root cause of, of both aging as well as disease, um, there is a big trend towards going in that direction. Mm. And I'm yeah. really happy to see that. Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually traditional medicine is gonna get there because for me, I believe that the, tr the best approach when you're looking at health is combining both the East and West. Is it true what we call an integrative approach where you combine traditional medicine, which is definitely needed. You know, when yep. you get injured, you you need traditional medicine. Absolutely. But with alternative medicine and progressive kind of health, where we're looking at things, you know, like your environmental exposures, mm -hmm. you know, like what you're putting on your skin, like the type of food that you're eating, all that is so, so important. And they're just not getting it in, in traditional medical school much at all. Yeah. Um, but there's a trend there, that direction. And, and I have faith in the younger generation that they're going to make the world a better place than mm. what, you know, see, I'm Gen X. Yeah. You're a millennial. No, I'm uh, what, I'm 43. So you're a millennial, I think. Nope. I'm Gen, Gen uh, X. Yeah. You're X with me. Yeah. Oh, as I say, I mean, I feel like our generation has dropped the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like the, I, I see my kids and their generation and I feel like they're, they're less judgmental than we are. They um, care more about, the environment and the world and mm. doing the right thing in general. That's because we raised them right. <laughs> our parents, <laughs> we had, we kind of had to get our parents trauma pushed yeah. on us and their, the way that they were raised pushed on us. Whereas we kind of figured it out for ourselves as we got older. So now we're getting, we're giving them the opportunity to be less yeah. non judgmental and more open to things. I think there's definitely something there, yeah. and, but I have faith in that, you know, that the world is always, you know, and the, you know, it always goes in the right direction eventually and fits and starts and ups and downs, but right. eventually it goes in the right direction. I love it. Yeah, so. Dr. Tony, um, your book comes out January 2nd, yes. correct? Yep. And it's going to be anywhere. They can buy it anywhere. So yes. So it's called Younger for Life. Um, it's wherever books are sold. I try to encourage people to support your local bookstore. Mm -hmm. One way you can do that is if you um, go to bookshop.org. Uh, mm -hmm. Bookshop.org is a website where um, kind of like Amazon or Barnes and Noble and stuff like that, where if you actually put the book in 
there and you can actually choose your local independent bookstore and anything that you buy, that profit of that sale will go to that independent bookstore. Oh, wow. I you never know, so knew that. Yeah. So if you've got a little one, like a small bookstore in your community uh, and they're not big enough to have their own big website and fancy website, most of the time they're going to be on bookshop.org. And if you buy the book, like my book, Younger for Life mm -hmm. on there, you can choose that bookstore and then actually give the profit to them. So it's Yay. really cool that way. But otherwise it's at Costco, it's at Target, it's everywhere, <laughs> it's, you know. I don't want to get those places mad at me. <laughs> how, it, how accomplished do you feel, though, being an author of four books? Like, that's amazing. I'm writing my first book this year, and I couldn't oh, even are. imagine having four. It's like it's like having a baby. It's um, <laughs> You're proud of it, but it can be quite painful, <laughs> the writing process. But in the end, like, when you see the results of it and you hear from people whose lives are changed from it, it definitely makes that path worthwhile. That's amazing. So. You guys go out and get this book when it drops. By the time this, this will probably be coinciding with your drop too. That would so be awesome. yeah. You. So um, you guys go out and get this book. I'm going to read it. So I'm sure you guys will hear about it on future podcasts. Dr. Tony, thank you so much for coming thank and you, just sitting with me. And I just love picking your brain and I, you need I to come back it. like once a year. And I'd, just, love to, I'd love that. Definitely. Yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. Why don't you thank tell you. people where they can find you and your practice and plug all yeah. things. So um, I'm all over social media. Um, if you are interested in the book though, go to autojuvenation.com. Mm -hmm. So we talked about autojuvenation, the kind of five ways to, to target that. But autojuvenation.com, if you do buy the book, um, we do have free gifts, uh, including a companion recipe book with really tasty recipes. Um, we give a $30 gift certificate to my online store, Yoon Beauty. So I've got my own line of natural and organic skincare products. Yes, which he brought um, me a whole Yes, bag right yes. Here. I hope you like them. I'm going to um, rub them all over my face tonight. You guys have no idea how excited I am. The idea is that Yoon Beauty is a combination of medical grade products that are natural and organic. It's right. kind of, it's, the idea is this to bridge the gap between natural products and medical grade products so that you kind of have the best of both. Yeah. Um, so we give you a gift certificate for that. Um, there's a quick start guide, a bunch of other things. Uh, if you get the book, go to autojuvenation.com. Yay, love that. And then Thank social you. media is just Dr. Tony everywhere. Um, it's Dr. Yoon. Dr. And then Yoon. Instagram, I'm Tony Yoon MD because I can't get anybody there to let me change my name. So are you verified? It's Dr. Yoon everywhere. I'm verified everywhere. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. why. Once you're verified, you can't change your name. I, you just, I can't get a hold of anybody at Instagram uh, either way, but all the uh, other ones. I can, but, it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, you can just find me, but Dr. You and you'll find me. I'm very easy to find. I'm everywhere. You're awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Dumb Blonde. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.